catch us on the web at english.rti.org.tw. Thank you so much for joining us here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Andrew Ryan coming to you from Taipei, Taiwan. Up ahead this hour, we're going to have for you Status Update with John and Shirley. And we'll also have Book of Votes with Charlie Storer. But first up today, here in Taiwan. Today is Tuesday, November 20th, and you're listening to Here in Taiwan on Radio Taiwan International. In the studio today, we have Natalie So. Hello. And Paula Chow. Hello. I am once again Andrew Ryan. In today's program, we're going to kick things off with an election-related story. Today's Tuesday. Voters are going to be going to the polls on Saturday. That means that there are how many days left? My math, not great. Natalie's yawning. <laughs> four days? Four days, right? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Four days left. So we're going to tell you about one very interesting candidate whose first sentence on his platform is... I know I won't get elected. <laughs> it's not a great start, but it might be. You never know. Also, we're going to tell you a little bit about some amazing sugar cane straws, which are wowing Canada. And some students have made some amazing cups. It's interesting. We're going from elections to environmentally friendly topics for our final two stories. We've got all that and more in today's Here in Taiwan. Do not go away. Okay, so this past weekend was the final push. It was the final weekend for candidates to get out there, get on the streets, uh, vie for their opportunity to serve the people. I think the biggest one was probably the race in Kaohsiung. Um, I was looking at the uh, papers on Monday in the front of both the uh, Liberty Times and the China Times, which are kind of two opposite ends of the spectrum. Both had the race in Kaohsiung because it's looking like for the first time in many years, there's a very popular opposition party candidate. So uh, obviously the two papers had their own version of what's going on in that race. Um, but they were pictures, uh, huge pictures, the whole top half of the paper on Monday. So the day after the big Super Sunday rallies um, was devoted to the race in Kaohsiung. But Paula, you actually are going to tell us about a story of a candidate with a very interesting party platform. Well, right. I guess his running platform. Right. Yeah. He's not running for mayor or county commissioners. He is running for a neighborhood chief. It's a very small, you know, position because each um, neighborhood um, has one chief and it's a paid job. Mm. But it, you say it's a small position, but they probably have more influence on their, their local residents' lives than the, right. <laughs> the people with the big positions. They can drive out mosquitoes. Yes, that's By right. cleaning the gutters for us. That's right. They can clean out the gutters. They can give away, I think some of them give away like environmentally friendly trash bags. They have um, hold events. Hold, they have, they even like take the, the members of the neighborhood on like little Field outings. Trips. Yeah. Yeah. 
So they actually have probably more interaction, direct interaction with the local residents than uh, the larger names, the bigger names, the bigger positions. The mayors and stuff. Yes. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But That's I just, okay. I thought I'd throw out a little uh, support yeah, for the neighbors. This guy, um, she, uh, he lives in New Taipei City. And then, um, you know, um, our, the Central Election Commission has um, sent um, campaign paper to each family, to each household. Mm-hmm. So um, that campaign paper has... Um, candidates um, bio information and also their platform so this guy um, he also uh, wrote a platform it's about more than 600 um, Chinese characters but his first sentence is I know I won't get elected. Oh, <laughs> that's what he oh, wrote. What's the point? You know, it's funny. We have actually one of those papers sitting on our front, um, like right next to our entranceway in our house because the landlord's election papers get sent to our house. So I'm going to flip through that because I live in New Taipei oh, you can't City. Vote. I can't vote oh, now. Okay. But I'm going to flip through that um, and see. I mean, it, it's it's open. It's not like it's in a sealed envelope. Right, right. Just have a look and see that candidate's bio. <laughs> I, I want to see what his picture looks like. So wait, well, why does he decide to do this? Why did he? Well, he said that. that. I know I won't get elected, but I'm the only fool in this neighborhood. <laughs> I spend sixteen hundred US dollars to run for a neighborhood chief, simply because I want to have an opportunity to talk to my neighbors. Aww. And that's what he wrote. But wait, 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 wait. You can talk oh, to your neighbors. Can't you find you, another way to do that? Yeah, just, you can talk to them when you throw away yeah. your trash. Right. But he also <laughs> said that, well, you know, um, every, everyone in the world wants to be a good person. You want to please, you know, others. However, if you are a neighborhood chief, you can't do that. You must you know, have the courage to face, you know, um, those who don't like you. And he said that he couldn't stand um, hypocrisy. And he, this is his platform, his political ideas. He said he wants to, uh, you know, hire, you know, outside, um, incinerators um, to um, tackle the problem of, um, it, it, to tackle the, uh, the environmental issues, mm-hmm. environmental problems. He also said if, you know, people don't, don't deal with dog waste, they, um, he will call the Environmental Protection Administration to deal with that issue. <laughs> and he said that, you know, um, he he wants to thank the public for reading that his you know political ideas <laughs> for reading also. However, you know, guess what? A lot of web users said, "Wow, I think this guy is really nice. And his his policies, his platform is really practical. I'm going to vote for him." <laughs> oh wow! What if he does get elected? <laughs> wait, wait, wait do you, you know what? Do you, what are the chances he really thinks he's not going to elect get elected? Maybe he know. just wrote that because to you get know, attention to get attention. It know? really attention. depends on how competitive that position position is because in my neighborhood there's only one candidate of course he he will get elected <laughs> yeah right right if he doesn't get elected then you know he's not very popular yeah <laughs> i would really have second thoughts of my if i didn't win we only race. have two people running in my neighborhood yeah yep do you this, know them well the senior guy i don't know him personally but he's like you know saying hi to everybody lately yeah right yeah. standing on street corners yeah they always say hi to me and i'm like nope I can't vote. <laughs> it's so funny, too. Like, I'll drive by them on my scooter, and they're, like, waving and smiling. I'm like, why are you waving at people, like, going by you really fast on the scooter? <laughs> like, I guess those candidates, whether they will get elected or not, they won't say hi to us after the elections. I think you're probably right. Although, I, I do really want to meet my um, neighborhood chief. Because she does the announcements in Chinese, Hakka, and Taiwanese. Oh, really? She does all three herself every single time. I'm always so impressed when she does that. Go to the office. Don't they have an office there? I think they do, but I couldn't find it. 
I need to. I'm sure it's in your neighborhood. I'm sure. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> They don't know me. I don't know them. Maybe it's better that way. <laughs> All right. Why don't we go on to you, Natalie, um, for the first of our two environmentally friendly stories? You're going to tell us about some amazing students who won a prize for their invention. Yes, this is amazing. Out of 340 teams of college students from around the world, and this competition was held in the United States, our very own uh, National Zhongzhen University um, group won gold. Where is that? Is that Kaohsiung? In Jiayi. Oh, Jiayi. Zhongzhen. Yeah. So, um, what they did was they created a new material that will make cups, uh, paper cups, biodegradable, waterproof, and heat resistant. Well, they're already biodegradable, but I guess if you try to make it water... Not as much as you think. No, what I'm saying is, is, is paper itself is biodegradable, but by making them water resistant, you put a laminate on it, which is not biodegradable. That's right. You're right. Just, just try to clarify it. <laughs> so actually about 75% of our paper cups and boxes are not recyclable because of this coating. Um, so they made a new coating mm. that is. And this mm. coating is called Lig Green. And it's made out of yeast. Yeast? Yeah. That is not what I would so have picked. I don't know how in the world they thought of this does the, brilliant idea. Does the water taste like bread? No. <laughs> does it expand? No. In the heat. So um, it's really cool. You can actually uh, substitute all consumable plastic items with the lid green, and it's waterproof, resistant to heat, completely biodegradable. So they are going to uh, patent it and probably uh, commercialize it. Wait, you said you can you can substitute all plastic items with lid green? That's what they said. That's cool. So Isn't you can make amazing? like plastic forks out wow. of lid green, out of yeast. Do you know how many uh, paper cups we use a year in Taiwan? Oh my goodness, a year? Oh, it's got to be like billions. 170 million. Okay, well. well. <laughs> Something like <laughs> Sorry. that. Something uncountable. I mean, it's, it's the it's same all. to me. It's all. So it's, it's going to make a lot more record. of them, you know, uh, biodegradable if they use this. That's fantastic. I think it's amazing how we're coming up with so many great ideas now that we care more about the environment. We don't want you know, plastic floating around our oceans and... and yeah, it's not until push comes to shove that a lot of people will, you know, really harness their creativity and come up with interesting ideas. If it wasn't such a pressing issue, you know, being a small island with, you know, limited landfill space and, you know, environmental concerns and people living closely together. If we had unlimited space, who knows, maybe we wouldn't have as many creative inventions coming out of Taiwan. Although I do think that um, students here are also very good at inventing things every time they have those that invention That is true. Fairs. We have one of the most high percentages of patents in the world for population. Really? Yes. Wow. So we actually ha have a lot of smart people here. Wow, yeah. I'm not one of them. <laughs> I don't have we a didn't single invent patent. Anything recently. <laughs> not today at all. <laughs> In fact, not, never. <laughs> oh, I'll get on it, I promise. <laughs> okay, so we're going to go from biodegradable paper cups that are heat resistant and water resistant 
And now we're going to go on to sh- some very interesting... I was going to give the answer. Some very interesting straws, which are also biodegradable. And that's very important because it can be a substitute for plastic straws. Because Taiwan, I think, is set to ban plastic straws next year. But of course, we love our plastic straws. You have to have them to drink boba, right? Yep. But so, we got some steel ones recently from the, um, uh, you know, station. RTI, yeah. Isn't that cool? We handed them out for our 90th anniversary. That was Stainless kind of fun. Stainless steel. Yeah. So, Paul, you have a story about some interesting straws. Tell us about those. Okay. Um, then, uh, starting from next June, Vancouver uh, will impose a ban on the use of plastic uh, straws. And then there are two um, Taiwanese immigrants uh, there, and they have introduced Taiwan-made sugarcane straws to um, you know, uh, to Canada to introduce the products to Canada. Actually, they have on uh, the first batch of one hundred thousand sugarcane straws have already arrived in Vancouver. And then this guy, a thirty-two-year-old um, Taiwanese um, immigrant, he is Xu Chenxun. He said that um, his company has developed a biodegradable products for fifteen years. Not only does his company um, make um, sugarcane straw, they also make um, Straws made from um, coffee ground. Coffee ground. Oh, yes. Wow. Oh, do they smell nice? Yeah. What would you drink if and you? What if they have a coffee flavor too? <laughs> you're trying to drink water and it tastes vaguely like coffee. But anyway, uh, their efforts have received support from at least one um, assemblyman, assemblywoman in um, British Columbia, Ooh. in Canada, right? And Very also cool. one boba tea shop in Toronto um, says that they will use. Um, their, their um, sugarcane straws just Fantastic. to help protect the environment. Oh, cool. Yes. That is great. That is really wonderful. You know, the more people that use them, the more, I think, economically viable they are, too. It's cheaper to make them if you can produce them in a large quantity. Right. So that's great. If they're not only using them here in Taiwan, but overseas as well, then maybe it'll become a very large company. Right. The costs will really go down and even more people want to use them. Well, well actually, the sugarcane um, straws are... It's more durable than paper ones and more really? resilient. It's also, um, they're also 100% biodegradable. Yeah. Fantastic. I wonder if the, the uh, folks that are doing these um, paper cups that are biodegradable, that they're using that lig green, maybe they could do like a coating on the p- paper straws to make them stronger. But, uh, you know, that's a question for the inventors to answer, not us. Because <laughs> I don't think we know. A lot of possibilities out there. A lot of possibilities. Good way to put it. Well, thank you so much for joining us for today's edition of Here in Taiwan. I'm Andrew Ryan. I'm Natalie So. And I'm Paula Chow. Stay tuned. We've got Book of Odes and Status Update coming up next on RTI. to Book of Odes. I'm Charlie Stara, bringing you poems by Taipei-based poets recorded here at our RTI studios. My name is Mark Will. I'm still a writer in permanent exile. Uh, since the last time I was here, I've uh, published a novelette and 
I have a translation of an ancient Greek play coming out this week. Today, I'm actually going to read an ode on the Book of Odes. That's great, because all the time I've been doing the Book of Odes show, it's probably about two years now, I think you'd be the first person to actually say this is a genuine ode. So do you know what an ode is? Shall I tell you? odious that I don't know. <laughs> what, well, what is the definition well, of I, I want to give you a, a literal definition. So our English word ode is ultimately derived from the Greek word aoide, which in turn is derived from the uh, Greek verb aedain, which means to sing. So an ode is literally a song. And so what I have for you today is the first choral ode, the introductory choral ode from the work that I'm releasing this week. And that is Persians uh, by the Greek tragedian Aeschylus. Who is known for his classic plays such as... Well, he's probably best known for his uh, trilogy, the Oresteia, which uh, includes, uh, what, Agamemnon, uh, the Libation Bearers, and the Eumenides. But this was his first play, that at least the first that survived to us from antiquity. So we could say it's uh, Aeschylus's earlier, more personal work. Uh, it's not really personal. Uh, it's it's actually a uniquely historical tragedy. You know, most of the Greek tragedies uh, are based on myth, but this is actually based on history. The uh, you know Greek wars with. Persia, uh, which which Aeschylus actually participated in. He fought in the battle that is, uh, you know, the subject of this play. Set up for us a little bit uh, of the history. Persians is, is based on the stunning uh, military defeat that uh, the Persian king Xerxes suffered at the hands of the Greeks. And so uh, it was a, a naval defeat, and I've got uh, maps and timelines in my book, so make sure you you purchase it and you can learn all about it. But the the introductory choral ode is sung by the chorus of Persian elders. So it's a group of old men that have uh, stayed home from the war while the young and able-bodied go out to fight for, you know, empire. Some things never change. So if I may, when you're ready, please. I will begin Choral Ode 1. Of the Persians gone to the land of Hellas, these here are called the most faithful, the guardians by seniority of the wealth and the gold-rich thrones, whom himself, Lord Xerxes, King, son of Darius, elected to oversee the territories. Yet as regards the return of the king and his gold-rich army, my soul, already an evil prophet, is much distressed within. For all Asiatic-born strength has gone, yelping after the young master, and neither messenger nor horseman returns to the capital of the Persians. Abandoning Susa and Ekbatana and the ancient wall of Kissia, they went forth, some on horses, some in ships, some on foot, presenting a formation of war. Such are Amistris and Artaphrenes and Megabates and Astaspes, commanders of Persians, kings subject to the great king. 
They push on, overseers of a massive army, archers and horsemen, fearful to see, terrible in battle, with steadfast determination of will. Artembaris, too, the charioteer, and Masistris, and the bowman Gudemaeus, and Farandakis, and horse-driver Sostanis. And others the great and many-feeding Nile sent forth, Susiskanis, Egyptian-born Pegasagan, and the Archon of Holy Memphis, Great Arsamis, and Ariomardus, guardian of Ogygian Thebes, and marsh-dwelling rowers of ships, terrible and countless in number. And there follows a throng of luxurious Lydians, and those who generally oppress the mainlanders, those whom Metrogathes and brave Arcteus, regal commanders, and gold-rich Sardis sent forth riding in many chariots, in double and triple ranks, a fearful sight to behold. Those living near holy Tmolos also pledged to cast the yoke of slavery on Hellas. Mardon, Tharabas, thunderbolts of the spearhead, and the javelin-darting Mysians. Babylon, too, the gold-rich, sends a mixed host in a long line, some mounted upon ships and some trusting in bow-drawn intention. The sword-bearing tribe of all Asia follows the dreadful pomp of the king. And the flower of the Persian land goes forth, the men for whom the entire Asiatic earth, teeming, groans with fierce regret, and fathers and their bedfellows, counting the days, tremble at the lengthening of time. And already has the city-destroying army of the king passed into the neighboring land on the opposite shore, exchanging for a cable-bound raft the ferry of Athamantus Heli, casting a well-nailed roadway as a yoke on the neck of the sea. And the furious ruler of many-peopled Asia against the entire earth drives his brilliant flock in two divisions, on foot and from the sea, having put his trust in strong, rough generals, God-equal man of a gold-born race. And gazing darkly with his eyes, the look of a deadly dragon, with many hands and many ships, and racing his Syrian chariot, he urges against spear-famous men, bow-subduing Ares. And none is able, withstanding a great stream of warriors, to shut in with strong enclosures the invincible wave of the sea. Peerless are the army and people of the stout-hearted Persians. By the gods, Moira has ruled since the ancient time, and she decreed for the Persians the pursuit of tower-destroying wars and the turmoil of fighting horsemen and the sacking of cities. And they learned, as the wide open ocean turned to white foam with the furious wind, to look upon the sacred grove of the sea, trusting their finely wrought cables and their people-transporting machines. But the crafty deceit of deity, what mortal man will escape it? Who with swift foot overleaps it, fortunately springing up? For Atta kindly entices mortal man into her nets, from which it is not permitted that he may escape unharmed. Thus is my black-clad heart lacerated with fear, 
Alas, for the Persian campaign, lest the polity learn that the great capital of Susa is empty of men, and the battlements of Kissia, echoing, will sing, Alas, the women-filled crowd, this word crying out, and there will be tearing of fine linen robes. For all the cavalry and the infantry, like a swarm of bees, have left the hive with the captain of the army, crossing the headland joined from both sides, jutting into the sea, common to either continent. And marriage beds for want of husbands are filled with tears. Each Persian woman, overly mournful with man-loving longing, having sent away her furious, spear-armed consort, is left yoked alone. And so that's Persians, and that's, that's coming out this week. This uh, week it should be on Amazon, yes. Persians by Mark Will, if we just look for that. Is it any particular publisher? The publisher is my own independent imprint, Cadmus and Harmony Media. But yeah, just look for Persians, Aeschylus, Mark Will. And it will also be available probably by next month uh, here locally. I'm printing it locally as well, so yeah. This is Radio Taiwan International. This is Status Update. Thanks for tuning in to Status Update. I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Ventriest. We'll be getting to your letters and your Facebook comments. We always love doing that, <laughs> right? And uh, also we'll be talking what well, we have been talking about, the elections that's uh, happening this month in Taiwan. And uh, we've been talking about some unique things that you can see uh, while it's the election month. Right. So, all right. Well, let's uh, move right along and update our status here. Well, I seem to recall a few weeks ago you telling us that you were going to build some houses now specifically houses made out of cardboard this is for your sunday school class oh right right and yes we were going to have a shoebox drive for you but apparently <laughs> you figured out on your own where to get well, all the materials from what ended up happening with that okay so well i actually did send off a message telling the parents that if they could they can have their kids bring their own boxes and um and so that was a relief but then i also said that if you couldn't manage a box you know don't panic i'll you know, I'll prepare something so that uh, you won't be out of a, a box or okay. rather a house. <laughs> so it's interesting. They all brought in different sizes of boxes from home. Hmm. And um, anyway, so they had to make do with what they have. Of course, there were some kids who didn't manage to bring a box. What I actually end up doing was just prepare a lot of um, harder piece of um, construction paper. Hmm. Yeah. And, and so uh, for those kids... I kind of, you know, um, take one sheet and fold it in four corners and then and then just paste it up. And um, that would be the side of the house. And then take another piece of the hard paper and then make the roof. So That worked out? Yeah, it, it worked out. Actually, it was pretty good. I wish I could show you a picture because we... <laughs> I felt so a 
accomplished, so um, good about it. So crafty. Yeah, I, I really felt good about myself that um, we took a picture of all of their houses together. I made a suburban block. Oh, that was yeah, yeah, and and showed it you know to the parents, so they thought that we were had a very creative Sunday for for their mm. kids. Yes, you so, were the craft master for yeah, your I, I, for your yeah. Sunday school class. I know, I, I really felt good. So I mean, um, that that was really something. But, Do you got any uh, other projects coming up? Uh, not until next year. Oh, you're yeah. done. Um, I'm I'm done for the year as okay. Sunday school teacher. So um, we we take out we have our rounds. You know, we take our shifts, and so you either you know do it once or twice in a year. But most of the times, like once a year, and for two months, that means eight Sundays, right? So, but anyway, so your yeah. craft duties are over for 2018. For 2018, <laughs> and I guess I'm not retiring because I told my other teacher that I partner with. That um, I think I want to retire because <laughs> retire from Sunday of my, school. <laughs> yes, because of my age, and I'm, you know, because uh, I used to teach uh, two to four year olds, mm-hmm. and we have this classroom where they just run around. It's not a, a classroom with desks and chairs, so they have to run around, and that meant you have to run around with them and go on your knees, and then you know jump up and down. And <laughs> I wasn't even you know if you know my knees were really is made up for that now at my age. Well. So, but workers are few in our church. So, I think I'm not retiring quite as yet. Uh, we need all the people that we can have, right? To because we've got like what, two hundred kids, Ooh. I think, from first grade to sixth grade. Well, that's sizable. Yeah. And do you have to teach all of them at different points, or do you have are you assigned different age brackets? Um, I think for now I'm assigned to the first and second graders. That's in a classroom with desks and chairs. Okay. And um, yeah, so um, I I must say they're not as fun and as cute as the two and four year olds. Hmm. One thing I felt kind of moved is that of course I disciplined some of the kids you know they can be pretty naughty oh surely you get it taking charge well, in yeah, the classroom. I mean otherwise <laughs> teacher you know, surely otherwise the class can't go on you know right, right. and um, even though you discipline them the same kid you know week in and week out they they'd like you oh yeah that's they, good. They, they'll still chum up to you you know and I was going well I wasn't expecting that but hmm. um be a good bunch of kids then <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you're just really good at, you know, keeping, towing the line here, keeping everyone right. yeah. going so anyway, in the same direction. Yes, that's oh. uh, my adventure with uh, Sunday School for the year 2018. Mm. Uh, we'll see how it happens um, next year. Yeah, tell them to put, put you in charge of crafting, crafting <laughs> brigade. I seem to be pretty good at, good at that. Anyway. Good. All right. Well, let's move on to your letters. We always love to hear from you and want to know what you think about our programs. So our address is PO Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. Our email is rti at rti.org.tw. Of course, we love your Facebook comments as well. We'll be getting to those in just a moment. But uh, for now, please keep those coming our way, too. Okay. And this one here is coming from Tim Braille of Malaysia. And uh, he was listening in on November 10th on the frequency 15320 kHz. Simple rating was five across the board. Whoa. Wow, that's a perfect reception. A good day for us here. Yes, yes, that's good to know. Um, he listened to here in Taiwan, and it was with me and Andrew and Natalie, featuring stories about the first Taiwanese 24-hour restaurant, um, solo travel of the Taiwanese people, plant hunters. Oh, yes, that was my story. Um, in time, looking for, yes, near-extinct flora and um, trying to cultivate them. And then photo history of Taiwan. And then he also listened to Taiwan Today with Natalie So, who interviewed Japanese-American Makoto Fujimura. They discussed culture care. 
A Fusion of World Survival, which is currently on exhibit in Taiwan. And then on, uh, uh, that's live from Taipei, focused on Strangers in the Night, as presented by an Australian storyteller relating a, a tale about Agnes and Moses. And then about newsmakers hiding the Taiwanese company TSMC. Also, one more thing. And I guess that was a perfect uh, listening. So that was coming to us from Tim Braille of Malaysia. Thank you. Okay, we've got a report here now from Dr. Dilip Kumar Sarkar, who's writing to us from Chandanagar, India. And it says, Hi, I'm a doctor and also a radio listener from India. I listen to your radio broadcast. I am sending herewith an audio file of your radio program. Kindly acknowledge this letter and verify my reception. Uh, I shall be very much obliged if you could please send me a QSL card also. Well, no problem there. Under the details, it says that this was that this is a report about our November 12th broadcast from 1619 to around 1631 UTC on 6180 kilohertz. The SIMPO rating uh, average, I would say, 33343. And as it says in this letter, there is an audio file attached. Well, thank you very much for that, and we'll be sure to get you a QSL card. That comes to us once again from Dr. Dilip Kumar Sarkar of India. Okay, this next one is coming to us from Yukihiro Yuasa of Japan, Miyagi Ken, Japan. He listened on November 10th and from 0300 to 0335 UTC. He said that uh, he could hardly hear the broadcast, so he couldn't quite understand the program content very much. Well, I'm sorry to hear about that. And also, he noticed that we have a new um, webpage, and uh, he listened in on the news. Uh, one particular news that uh, stood out to him was Ma's three new, uh, new three no's is going to hurt Taiwan, according to President Tsai Ing-wen. And um, the simple rating was uh, ranging from twos to five, but mostly twos. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much for writing in. And Yukihiro Wasa is 58 years old. He's a company worker. And uh, he was writing in from Miyagi Ken, Japan. Thank you. We go over now to Jawahar Sheikh, who's writing to us from Chennai in India. And it says, uh, Dear Sir slash Man, how are you at RTI and how is Paula? Paula is doing well. <laughs> uh, here is my, it says 133rd reception report to RTI since I was appointed by RTI as its honorary monitor in January of this year. Uh, so that's a milestone. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, this is a report about our November 11th broadcast from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz. Unfortunately, not a great day for reception, uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. Under the programs, which were still audible, it sounds like, uh, this was our Sunday edition, there was a repeat of Curious John where I talked to someone from the Kahabu Indigenous Group, an episode of In the Spotlight featuring Mai, a Vietnamese owner of a restaurant, uh, classic, an episode of Classic Shorts in which Natalie to told the story of the Chinese doctor who brought back a prince from death through acupuncture. Then an episode of Time Traveler, uh, where I talked about Tainan's history. And on the line, an, inter an interview with the ambassador of Kiribati on cooperation and a medical program. Uh, as we said, receptions that day were not great. Uh, it says the signal strength was not stable. There was no interference from, from other radio stations, so we got one five. Uh, the rest were twos, though. Mm. Uh, both the atmospheric noise and fading were present at a severe level throughout the transmission. So that's two five two 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 simple rating. And uh, not great. But thank you for writing it anyway and letting us know what you thought about our programs. That comes to us once again from Jawahar Sheikh of India. Yeehaw! It's a Facebook roundup. 
the Facebook video of the week uh, involved you, Shirley. It was a video of you. Oh, oh, <laughs> yes, the live streaming. A live streaming video mm-hmm. of you. We got some very nice comments. Okay. Uh, one from Wal Belgreed said, "How are you? I, I wish you all the best. Uh, all my best greetings to you from Morocco, and thank you for all the programs. And I wish you success, and that you achieve what you wish. And I wish you prosperity and success. And thank you." And that comes to us from Wad Belgreed. Uh, there is an address here. We would like to remind everyone when you write in, please don't leave your address. Oh, uh, yeah, not for privacy reasons. Public. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay, uh, well, thank you. But thank you for your well wishes. Yes. For your nice wishes and uh, our best wishes to you as well. And the next comment comes to, from Roger Tidy. Uh, and it says, Shirley is one of the best interviewers on international radio. She has a genuine interest in people, which shows in all of her interviews. Oh, well, thank you. That's real encouragement. The next video also featured you. It wasn't, uh, you weren't the subject of it, but I think you did this video. It was about fishing in the Penghu Islands yes, off yes. Taiwan's west coast. Uh, that was posted November 13th, and Anand Mohan Bain had this to say about this video. It's amazing. I like watching Catching Fish. Even I caught several fish long years ago. All right. <laughs> so we have you know, an avid fisher yeah. in our audience. Don't you think fishing takes a lot of patience? And I'm not sure if I'm that kind of patient person, but anyway. Yeah, if you're doing it with a line, definitely have some time, I guess. Yes, yes. Open up a blank space in your schedule. <laughs> it's, it's time, time for, for Taiwan, Taiwan Top 10. Ten. All right, well, election day is just around the corner, just a few days from now. Mm. Uh, Taiwan will be going to the polls. Uh, this is largely a, uh, local elections. Uh, the pre- there's not, it's not a presidential election year, but still uh, it will determine the con- you know, political control of all sorts of different offices, who yeah, runs right. what. So, uh, we'll be- and I guess it's our last chance to remind our listeners also that we're going to be having special coverage of the election. So do come to our website on Saturday, November 24th and check out our election coverage. Number four. Right. Our topic this month is things you can see during Taiwanese elections. And one thing that you can see, our number four entry, uh, number four, see what I did there, is numbers. (laughs) Numbers. Right. Numbers pop up everywhere. And I think that in many parts of the world, uh, candidates run using just their name and maybe party affiliation. But uh, in Taiwan, not so. They also are assigned numbers. And it's a bit like drawing straws, isn't it? It is. It is. There's a a day when the numbers of each candidate are announced. So all the paraphernalia, the posters and everything go up first. And there was a blank circle left in them for them to paste on a number later on. Yeah. Uh, But why do people have numbers here? I mean, isn't the uh, name's not memorable enough? Well, I think people think that numbers are more memorable. Really? Yeah. They're easy to remember. So if you say vote for number three, you don't have to remember their name. That whoever it was. (laughs) I don't know who you, what that person's do, name is, but I think number, you know. Yeah, when you go to the polls, you just remember, okay, I'm going to vote for number three, number three, number three, you know. Right. And, That's uh, confusing because there are referendums with numbers too. There's referendum, you know, rep- referendum number three, number four. And so you have to keep track of a whole lot of numbers. Okay. Well, referendums this time is that you have to particularly ask for it to right. vote for the referendum. But they have but they're all numbered. Yes, they and are. And they have they tell you in the mail flyers yeah. vote yes on number 4 but then number 4 you, you can get very easily confused with number 4 in your district and <laughs> oh, I don't wow. know. It's just a lot of numbers. Well, and, I think for me it's always hard for me to remember Chinese names, you know, the Chinese characters, so I think mm. for me numbers really work easier yeah, for me. Yeah. Unless they, well, some people have memorable names, but yeah. I think the other thing too though is that people really want to get number 1 because that's yeah. like the easiest thing to remember. <laughs> yes, so that is it's right. Like a, there's a bit of a you know 
everyone crosses their fingers and hopes to get number one. I know. And then you'll see them going around on the streets, you know, um, with their fingers showing number one right. or two. You can or easily, easily convert that into a pose, right? Yeah, right, right. Well, I guess there are also numbers two for people, victory. I yeah. guess there are probably numbers people don't want to, like number four. Probably. Which is associated with death. Yeah, death that's of your true. Campaign. And I wonder if... Eight, but there is number four, right? There is. Oh, all right. And okay. I guess someone just gets stuck with that. Yeah. And there's number eight. There's the good numbers, too. Right, Numbers right. are everywhere. Number three. All right. Well, there's a lot we can say about this election, but one thing we can't talk about, we cannot, is uh, any sort of, like, uh, opinion polls. Mm. I think it's about 10 days before an election... And then the day of the election itself, so I guess 11 days total, uh, no media outlets, no private citizens even, I think, are allowed to say anything, conduct any opinion polling, or to even say anything about who's doing well and who's not. And uh, just there's no discussion allowed, and you can get in trouble for this. Yeah, you know, I think it's a good policy because otherwise, you know, it can be so everybody's just like glued um, to the polls. Yeah, glued to the polls or 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 shouting I don't know, bad things about each other, which is oh, up who, to the last who's moment, up and who's down. which is not good. Yeah. I don't just, know. I think I'm not sure how I feel about this one. I think on the one hand it gives people a nice respite from yeah from you know definitely. I think I know a lot of people in the US are glued to that needle or whatever uh-huh. uh, when it's when election time comes around there but here I guess people don't don't know mm. so maybe they think that uh, if you think someone's up in someone you support's down in the polls you won't turn out or maybe they're afraid it will affect some things like that yeah you never know I mean it, it definitely would affect um, a, a lot well, people who seem to be up seem that like, you're going to win anyway so maybe people won't yeah, show up yeah you know like right up to the day before elections well, you know some something new pops up in the news that can really twist things around I, I mean know. it has happened it well, has happened but you so. know so I guess I guess people just don't know who's up and who's down I guess pollsters aren't happy about that and uh, <laughs> political <laughs> scientists may find it frustrating but that's the way things are here you can't talk about it there's a blackout number two I should say these last few election cycles have been much quieter, at least in Taipei. But there are still these trucks, these voting trucks that mm, come campaign around. Campaign trucks, yeah. And so, well, I guess number two, we'll say vehicles in general, because there are also campaign tricycles. Tricycles. Campaign yeah. scooters. Like, there was a scooter brigade that came around my neighborhood recently. Uh-huh. And, uh, but I think the most notable one is trucks, because they're easy to mount loudspeakers on. On top, yes. And, uh, you know, you can drive you around. Politicians face and slogan and everything plastered all over the sides Mm. and they just drive around neighborhoods and i think there are rules about what hours they can do this at and uh, yes and another like i said another tactic is to send out little scooter brigades with little poles with their banners attached to them and of course everyone has the vests we talked about the vests last week right uh, the you know campaign uniform i've seen a few people on like little Pedally tricycle things. Oh yeah, yeah, they, with the, yeah. the same kind of banners and the uh, yeah the banners on the, the, the in the back on the back. I'm not yeah. sure if they're affiliated with the campaign or they just like the person though. Honestly, I couldn't uh, tell. <laughs> uh, yeah, usually they're a loner, they're one person, right? They're just, just on a tricycle. Someone just, who's very passionate about one. Probably, candidate. yeah. Uh, but I think mostly, yeah, these are organized, paid for, and uh, I think this year it's been pretty quiet. All right. Well, I hope you find it interesting. Join us next week as we announce which we think is the most different. From other countries' elections. This is very Taiwanese. Yeah. Very, very Taiwanese. Yeah. <laughs> you would not see this, I think, in most parts of the world. But anyway, uh, yeah, next week we'll be bringing you number one. Also, be sure to check out the election results. 
Right. Go to our webpage. In the meantime, we'd still love to hear from you, so write us letters. The address is PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or if you prefer, you can reach us by email. Our address is rti at rti.org.tw. Of course, we love your Facebook comments, so please keep those coming our way as well. All right. See you next week. I'm Shirley Lin. I'm John Van Trieste. Thank you so much for joining us here today at Radio Taiwan International. I'm Andrew Ryan coming to you from Taipei, Taiwan. We're back in the studio now with Natalie So and Paula Chow, and we're going to leave you today with one more thing. And today we're going to tell you about an amazing group of people. These are the Asian heroes for philanthropy. And Natalie, you have that story today. Yes, this is from Forbes magazine, and I'm going to introduce uh, the three that are coming from Taiwan this year. Wow. And the only celebrity on this list is Taiwan supermodel. Ling Zi Ling. Wow, supermodel. Yeah, we didn't know that she was so charitable. Mm, you know? I didn't. But oh. she's very good at raising money. So um, she raised money by selling off her wardrobe, parts of it, I guess, <laughs> and uh, charity cal- calendars. And she raised... <laughs> parts of it. You mean I'm sure she, she still has some. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she has a lot of clothes. I'm, oh, sure, I'm sure she does. Yeah. And uh, she raised... Over three million U.S. dollars. Well, wow, that's to a lot. Donate to um, disadvantaged children, uh, emergency relief projects. Also, another one was to build dormitories for school children in China. Wow! So she's helping people. Wow! In the area in Asia. I knew she's a nice person. I always hear very that's nice things I heard about too, her. Yeah. Which is not easy with all the attention she's gotten. I hear she has very high EQ, so she abil- has the ability to deal with a lot of that's, annoying people yeah, that's in amazing. an industry that's and known for gracious, its annoying people. Right. <laughs> also, questions <laughs> that glamorous. are not very appropriate. Really? Right? Yeah. People ask her, you know. Some question about that. I mean, that's an intrusion into her privacy. People are always asking about her married, married life, or like, you know, is she married? What does? What about kids? Like all these things about her personal life that she doesn't necessarily want to answer. So I think, I mean, you have to, especially when you're in the public eye, you have to be able to navigate a lot of those tricky situations with people who want to get closer to you. Um, you know, especially, and it, it does, it's, it's particularly difficult if you are an attractive woman who, whose job relies on being a model. I think that that's a really tough being industry. Being attractive. And being attractive. Attracting yeah. attention. You attract a lot of not great people. <laughs> Maybe unwanted attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's great that she's uh, using her, uh, her popularity, right? Mm, for good cause. For good, not evil. Right. Yeah. And we also have two other people, um, businessmen and the CEO of Asus Tech, mm-hmm. Jerry Shen. Oh. Yeah. So he set up a million-dollar trust fund um, for his own alma mater elementary school in Tainan. Oh. And they've been using it to ha- hold extracurricular classes um, in, you know, computers, computers and science and math and English and for disadvantaged children, which is about half the school. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah, and he's also reaching out to the uh, junior high schools in the area. Um, he also, on the 100th anniversary of their uh, the elementary school, he gave like 30 tablet computers and 20 routers. 
Mm. So I wonder what brand, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> also using his good for, you know, his, his uh, yeah. talents and his successes for good and not evil. That's right. And then also the media tech chairman and CEO, Tsai Ming-jie. And this is also a an electronics manufacturer. Yes, a high-tech company. Mm-hmm. He donated 1.6 million uh, U.S. dollars to Xingzhu, and they're using it to renovate the Taiwan Pavilion, which was part of the expo in World Expo in Shanghai. It's going to be a children's castle. Cute. And it's going to be where young minds can explore science. So it's not just a playground. Fun. But, but like a science castle. Oh, wonderful. And he's also been giving away money for different causes. So he gave away about 640000 for post-Morakot typhoon relief. And uh, also over $3 million for a research lab at National Taiwan University. Wonderful. Good stuff with his money. Those are all people that we can uh, hope to emulate. Uh, I don't have nearly uh, that much money. I wish we had money. money to give away like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, everybody, if you want to give me money, I'll be happy I to donate it. Is <laughs> <laughs> that how it works? I don't think that's how it works. They made their money. <laughs> they did make square. their money. That's right. That's right. And they chose to give it to others. Well, thank you so much for joining us uh, for our programs here today at Radio Taiwan International. I hope you'll tune in again tomorrow. On behalf of the English Service, I'm Andrew Ryan. Wishing you a wonderful rest of your day. for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia, from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.